I want to uh, look at Luke chapter 2, and um, we'll get into verse number 6. I uh, uh, preached on Sunday evening and got to the first five verses or so of Luke chapter 2, and I want to look at the second half of this story here in Luke chapter 2 this evening. The Bible says, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In verse number eight, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, Luke chapter 2 is one of those Bible uh, stories, one of those portions of Scripture that seems like we only look at it at, at this time of year. We kind of pass it by and, and study other books of the Bible and other chapters, and it seems like we just come to this once a year. And I, I like coming to this patch of Scripture because it's a reminder of the birth of Jesus Christ. And I think there's always something fresh and always something new that we can get, even from a, a very familiar passage of Scripture. We, um, we find, I think I mentioned this either this past Sunday or last Sunday, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we must realize that this, this is a true story that really happened to a family. This wasn't a, 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 you know, a fake story or a parable that's been written. This is the life the life of Mary and Joseph. Now, I don't know if anyone here could quite have this kind of story. Well, I know no one here has quite this kind of story. But if you were to write a story of your life, you know, maybe there was ups and downs and encouragements and times of discouragement. That's exactly what Mary and Joseph is going through here in the book of Luke. I mean, think about it. To have all of your plans made and then they're interrupted. And then even worse than that, on a trip, getting to a place, being with child, and not just being, not just being with child, but like ready to have a baby. I mean, that's like even the next step. Like what, what would she be traveling 90 miles on the a, on a back of a donkey for when she's ready to have a child? Could you imagine that, ladies? I mean, that's where she's at. They get to this place, and, and there's no, no place for them to, to, to go. And, and uh, verse number 7 Verse number seven, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I can just probably see Mary here. Once Jesus is born, everything starts to be okay. And I mentioned this, this point. I'm going to look at it in then our last one that I wasn't able to get to Sunday evening. In this holiday season, in this Christmas season, there ought to be joy in our hearts. We can't get so, so distracted and so stressed and, and so, so involved in the events of this time of year that we lose the joy that we ought to have. Mary had many, many reasons here to be distracted. I mean, think about it. They're going away. She's, she's not only, um, uh, her life is upside down. She, she's going to have a child. She travels 90 miles uh, when she's expecting. She gets there. There's no hotel room. I mean, her whole life, it may seem small and insignificant, but it's a big deal. 
And then the Bible tells us this, she has the child and she has this child in a manger. Now, the reality is this, many of the manger scenes that we see are even nicer than what a manger would have been back in those days. A manger was not a really nice barn that just looks really neat and, you know, hay just right. And, and it was, in those days, mangers were, were more or less caves in the side of hills. They were damp, they were cold, they were dreary. The hay probably wasn't fresh hay. The hay probably wasn't, you know, just new in there every day. It was probably old. The animals had been on it. It was dirty. It wasn't a place where you wanted to sleep at night, let alone have a child in this place. But something happened in Mary's life that changed her attitude or changed and made everything good. And that same thing is, that same person is the one that can change everything in our life as well. And we see this, that there's joy in his presence, in him personally. You know, God could have given us anything, but he knew exactly what we needed most. And what we needed most was Jesus Christ. At at your darkest hour, at your time where it seemed like everything was out of control, what we need is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that changes everything. He's the one that changed this night from a a miserable evening of of having to give birth to a, a child in a manger to her looking down and seeing Jesus. The presence of Jesus in our life, it changes everything for us, or it ought to. The day that you were saved, we were, we were lost without Christ, and, and, and if we would have died that moment before we trusted Christ, we would have spent eternity in hell. But the moment we trusted Christ, the moment his presence was there in us, in our heart, the moment we accept him as our Savior, everything in our life changed. There ought to be joy in the presence of the Lord. There's a story of a Persian king. He was a wise man. He was a good man, and he loved his people. The problem was this, though. He lived in his palace in his kingdom, and he lived so far away from where his average person lived in his kingdom. And he wanted to personally get to know them. He wanted to know how they lived. He wanted to see their hardships. He wanted to hear about their struggles. And so what this Persian king did is he dressed himself in, in, in uh, clothes of a working man. He began visiting all of his, his uh, uh, people in his, in his kingdom, all the homes of the poorest people. But he wasn't going to reveal who he was. He just made it seem like he was one of them. And so he began to visit. On one of the visits, the king met a very poor man. He lived in a cellar. This king asked if he could spend the night and spend the evening with this man. And the man agreed. And he shared his meager dinner. And he made conversation, not knowing that this was the the king, the ruler. The king later returned to visit after he made his visits back to the castle. He wanted to go back and visit this man, and he made a return visit back to this man, and he was going to disclose his true identity to this, this poor man. And so he comes to the place where this man was, and as he's getting to this place, in his mind he begins to think this. Once I get there, this man is probably going to ask me for some kind of gift. Once he finds out who I am, he's probably going to ask me a, some kind of favor to, to elevate his station in life. He's probably going to ask something of me. And so he prepared himself for this. But instead, that man, he thanked the, the king. Once this man found out who the king was, he thanked him for his time. 
He said this, you left your big palace to spend time with me in this dark, dreary place. And that brought gladness to my heart. To others, you may give rich gifts, but to me, you gave yourself. You know, that's the same thing it is with Jesus Christ. Jesus left heaven's home to come to this earth to give us him. We might not have the physical baby Jesus or, or the, the physical Jesus here upon this earth, but we still have an opportunity to have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he wants us to have that relationship with him. And so we find here in verse number six, we find that she comes to a place where she's giving birth. And in uh, verse number seven, there's joy there because she gives birth to Jesus. She has Jesus there in her presence. And we find uh, uh, the place that was determined. Remember that, that God foretold not only the time, but he also foretold of the place Bethlehem was not an accident. Bethlehem was, was uh, told by Micah back in Micah chapter 5, verse number 2. The Bible uh, tells us this, that, that Micah prophesied that, that uh, the baby, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. In Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1, then, we find this. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and come to worship him. You know, there are many reasons why God could have picked the town of Bethlehem. But there's something very interesting about the meaning of Bethlehem. Does anyone know what the word Bethlehem means? Anyone at all? Something about bread? Yes. The meaning of it is this. The house of bread. So Jesus is born in the location that literally means the house of bread. You say, well, what's, what's the big deal about that? Well, think about this. In John 6, 32 through 33, the Bible says this. And Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread that from heaven, but my father giveth you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is, is, is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The bread of life was born in the house of bread. Isn't that, you think that's by accident? No, that's by God's design. Bethlehem being the house of bread, that's why Jesus Christ, he is the bread of life. He's the one that, that feeds the hungry. And, and, and so many people look for things to fill them. I was doing some, uh, I got a letter from, from Anthony Wayne, and they were talking about doing some, some uh, uh, looking for leaders in the community to talk about the drug epidemic in our, our um, community here with, with teenagers. So I was just reading and doing some study and, and reading over the information that they sent. Could you imagine, some of you might remember, an America without a drug epidemic? I mean, the drug epidemic has changed everything about this country. Changed everything. And there are so many that look to alcohol and look to substance abuse and look to things to try to fill a hole. 
They're trying to fill something in their life. They're trying to, to, to uh, uh, seek for something. There's, there's something they're looking for. And Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Those that come to me, they'll never hunger again. They'll never thirst again. That hole that so many people are looking for to fill, it is only found in Jesus Christ. It's only found in him. There's joy in his presence. In the location we find the bread of life is, is born in the city that means the house of bread. And we find this as well, that the Savior, he was also delivered. It's, it's a tradition in many cultures to celebrate a, a shower, right? To shower gifts and clothes and food and you name it. Toys. I was telling Justin, he better go quick. He could get registered at Lowe's and... Home Depot, and he can, get, he can get some good stuff. I remember our, when Jacob was born, my, they had a shower for Michelle, and she was all excited about this stuff, and I just didn't, I couldn't get excited about it, you know? It was like baby stuff, you know? Where's this toolbox and the things that we could get excited about? But in many cultures, that's the way they welcome a child. They welcome a child in the world, or they, they bring things and, and celebrate with that mother and with people that love her. Do you realize this? There was nothing, there was nothing like that for Mary. Nothing. I've visited many, many babies in the hospital. Matter of fact, when, we, when I pastored in Columbus in the two and a half years they were there, there was like 19 babies born in that two and a half period in our church there. And uh, we finally told people, we're shutting the water fountains off. There's something wrong here. You know, we just, it seemed like every other month a baby was being, being born. And we'd go into the hospital, and I'd always find a balloon or something. And even in the hospital, there was a little store you could go to to give, give things, but that none of that was there for Mary. None of that. Mary had none of that. She, uh, she went into labor and delivered Jesus in a stable. Not a, not a clean, sterile hospital room, but a stable, a cave. And then once he was born, you know what they wrapped him in? What did they wrap him in? Swaddling clothes. What, what, was, what would be swaddling clothes? You know, that's the same things they would wrap a body in for a funeral. Is what they wrapped Jesus in. You know what's interesting in this? As we think about his birth and think about his presence, why wasn't Jesus the Son of God? Why wasn't he born in a, a better place? And why wasn't he born in a more prestige place or a more prestige city or born in a kingdom? I mean, if God's Son was going to be born, wouldn't he be born in something that would represent who he is? In the reality, it did. Because he came so that he could be placed in a cave, could be placed in a grave. Do you know, at the end of his life, before he, after he died on the cross, before he was resurrected, do you know what they wrapped him in? The same type of clothing that he was born in. He was placed in a cave on the side of a hill with a stone that was rolled over it. There was what Jesus was born in, the things that he was wrapped in, was the same thing that he was going to be uh, uh, placed in at the end of his life because he didn't come here. He didn't come here to, to do anything other than to give his life so that mankind can be redeemed back to God. And because of that, church, we ought to have joy in his presence. 
We ought to have joy in who the, fact, who, who the fact that Jesus Christ, what he came for, what he came to do, how he came, the fact that he came to Bethlehem, everything that God orchestrated was exactly like the Bible said. 1 John 4, 9 says this, and it was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. You know, this time of year, Many people have no room. Many lost people have no room for Jesus. But the reality is this. There are some Christians that get so busy with this time of year that they have no time or no room for Jesus as well. Many people get so hurried and so rushed to find the perfect gift or get the perfect thing, spend money on things that probably don't even need and there's no room and we look at the that that thought there's no room in the inn and and we could say how in the world could the innkeeper not just make someone else leave their room because there was a mother with child why couldn't somebody else make the fact that Jesus Christ the Messiah was born why wouldn't we make this a huge emphasis and the reality is this many of us if we're not careful we can make the same Christmas season the same time of year in our lives we can make it so busy so stress-filled so full of everything else that we have no room for Jesus I'd caution us this year you know, the material man has no room for Jesus. For some people, life is all about how much they can get, how much stuff they can get, how much they can, can get in, in the shortest time possible. And, and, and people like that, they need to be very wise to remember why Christ came in the first place. He came so that we don't have to try to find security in, in material things. We don't have to try to find security in what we have. But we find that only in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Mark 8, 36, For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So what? We have every single thing in life. So what? Our kids have every game and everything new and, and have the, the, the most uh, recent up-to-date uh, uh, trends. Who cares? They have all that unless they have a relationship with Christ. If that is more important to us than, than just simply finding joy in his presence, then there's something wrong in our life. And I'm not saying that gifts are a bad thing. We'll get gifts in our home and give gifts. But if that becomes the primary reason for the Christmas season, something is wrong. This is not a time to where we can get all of our focus on material things and push Christ aside, but this is a time where we ought to put our focus on Jesus Christ. I've been thinking about this and really the last week or so, and every day it's been on my mind, and I found myself this afternoon just sitting and thinking about this on, on Christmas Day. We'll have church on Christmas Day and, and be able to go home, and the and, uh, Lord's really put on my heart that I, I think I'm going to take our family to a nursing home or someplace where we can just go and, and Christmas carol. Spend that afternoon with people, ministering to people. Finding an opportunity where somebody doesn't have something so that my kids get their eyes upon the fact that Christmas is about serving. Christmas is about loving. Christmas is about giving, not let me get home so I can play with everything I just got. 
You know, if we don't teach them that as children, you know what happens? They grow up and they're, they're that way as adults. And we have a whole generation right now that life is all about them. And we created that. We need to teach our children that life is not about us, that material things aren't important, that the best thing they can do is find joy in Christ, in his presence. Those that are going through hardship and in difficulty this Christmas season, remember this, you can find joy in his presence. We find this as well for not only the material man, also the intellectual man. How many have seen these commercials and these ads and it's just kind of getting all over um, uh, the atheist put out there about not attending church on Christmas? What, what is that statement? Has anybody seen that? It's kind of everywhere now. Um, am I the only one that's seen that? I watch too much news. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Corbett? Google it real quick, if you would. The atheists are putting out these things about not going to church on Christmas. Skip church on Christmas. That's what it is. Skip church on Christmas. What is it? Is that what they're saying? Make Christmas great again? Skip church on Christmas? Something like that. Yeah. You know, some people claim they're too smart to buy into Christmas. There is no God. They pity Christians believing we must need the crutch of religion to get through life. And the the reality is this. We don't need a crutch of religion, but we do need the crutch of Jesus Christ. I'll be the first to admit I need him. I have been having some back issues, and it, it's gotten worse this past week. And Sunday, Sunday just seems like it's always worse. And I got out of my car in my driveway, and I shut the door, and, and there was nothing to lean on, and my, my back went out. Brother Nyhart, you know what that's like. And literally, I went down. Good thing it was in, I was standing in the grass. I went down to my knees. And one of my kids saw me, and I just kind of pretended. I'm just looking down here to see if I drop something. And, and come over in here and help me. But boy, I would have used a crutch right there if I had one. And the reality is this, there's the intellectual crowd that thinks there's no room for Jesus and, and, and you're foolish to buy into Jesus, you're fo- foolish to buy into Christianity, that it's just a crutch. And, and the reality is this, we do need Jesus. There's times in our life that every single person needs that crutch. It's not a crutch, though. It's not just a crutch. It's called a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a religious experience. It's a relationship. We can lean on him. We aren't strong enough to survive. We do fail at times. Our strength does fail. We do get to a place where we feel hopeless. We feel insecure. And Jesus Christ is there for us to lean on. And we shouldn't be afraid to say that. We lean on. We need Jesus. The intellectual man, he has no room. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But not us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. The religious man also has no room for Jesus. You know, people who put their trust in a religious system. Listen, our faith isn't in religion. Our faith is in a person. 
Jesus didn't come to set up a religious system. He came to give life and to give life more abundant. That comes through a personal relationship with him. I don't have to go to anyone else. I can go directly to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful thing. And the religious man has no room for Jesus. This is not the time of year for us just to be religious. We ought to take what we have. We have a personal relationship with Christ. We, I, one of the things I've loved this year, we have run out of tracks in the church auditorium every single Sunday the last couple weeks. Matter of fact, when we ordered these tracks, Kim ordered them and we thought we'd have enough. And boy, every single week we just keep running out of tracks. And that is a wonderful thing. Because our church is taking something and they're not introducing someone to a religion. They're introducing someone to a person, Jesus Christ. My father-in-law got saved because someone handed him a track. He was at work and one of the workers handed him a track and he read through that track and the Lord began to convict him and in need of a savior. And, and he was in his well into his 20s when he got that track and, and, and uh, read it and trusted Christ as his savior. Tracks work. We need to give those out. We're telling people that it's not about religion. It's not about a church. It's not about a set of rules. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. What a wonderful time of year to share that. The Bible says in John 1.10, he, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Listen, this evening, many material, many intellectual, and re many religious people, they're filled with sadness. Many people this time of year, they're filled with gloom. Because they're trying to find what they're looking for in something other than Christ. This is an awesome opportunity for us to share Christ. Listen, we, we can give tracks out. And I had a, uh, I had a, uh, got a letter, a, a, a card in the mail today. And um, this lady wrote on the wrote the card it was to our church and she said I was at a restaurant and named the restaurant and she said there was a there was a man there in that restaurant that was very kind and very polite and came over to my table and put a ten dollar bill and a track on my table and said the Lord told me to do this for you and and said and, and you'll know who this is I'm not gonna tell you but spells his name a funny way with a Y in the middle of his na his first name she said all I got was his first name and I remembered it because it was spelled different than I would have thought and she said I just write to you so that you could let that person know how much I appreciated them sharing with me whatever day that was a couple days ago doesn't know the person's last name, only knows where the person went to church because they said a Christian, only someone that went to church would do something like, something like this so kind and say such kind things to somebody. And that person said, I go to Monclova Road Baptist. So she said, I'm just writing and giving this note. Would you please let this person know how much I needed that person that day? You see, church, we could take the opportunity and meet needs because of the presence of God in our life. Or we can look at the problems of the world or think somebody isn't interested and just live our lives and they'll matter nothing. 
there's joy in the presence of the Lord. And that produces something in our life. That changes things in our life. People ought to recognize that. People ought to see that, that, that those that know the name of Jesus and those that have a relationship, no, they're not just a bunch of religious fanatics. They actually are real people that have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus saith unto them in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We know that truth. And what an awesome opportunity we have this time of year to share that truth. You know, I believe sometimes the reason why we don't share who Jesus Christ is is because we're not enjoying the presence in our life that we ought to have with him. You talk about people you love, don't you? Someone told me, and I didn't realize it until someone told me. They said, you sure do talk about Chloe a lot. Did you ever notice that? I guess the reason why is I love her. I like to talk about the things I love and the people I love. And if we love Jesus and we have joy with him, it ought to be a natural thing to share that. Don't we want everyone to have that same joy? We're working on a radio commercial for uh, uh, inviting people to our church on our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day service. And the man that I've been dealing with, and he's been coming here and dealing with Pastor Marin for, for years, I believe, as well. And, and um, he just recently, within the last probably six months or so, his wife was battling cancer and she passed away. And so every time he comes, I, I've tried to witness to him and try to give him the gospel. And I could tell it was one of those friendly, hey, I'm, you know, signing a contract to, for this man to make money. And so he's going to tell me all the things I really want to hear. But when his wife passed away, the conversation was very different. As a matter of fact, he called me today and we talked a little bit. And before I hung up, I asked, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm not doing well. He said, that, that, that grief thing you do on Monday nights, I really need to come. I didn't have the heart to tell him that this was the last week. But he says, I really need it. Because I'm not doing well. I'm struggling. And I had the chance to remind him once again that you can, you can have joy in this season. And you can have peace. And you can have rest. But it's only going to come through Christ. That's the only way a hurting soul is going to get help. That's the only way a weary soul is going to get help. That's the only way a hopeless soul is going to find hope. Jesus Christ is the answer. And it was so refreshing to be able to remind someone of that today. And then when I hang up the phone, I think to myself, then I ought to, to believe what I just said. I ought to live it like it's a joyful thing. I ought to enjoy that presence that we have in Jesus Christ. And then lastly, I want to give you this. There's joy in his provisions. There's joy in his provisions. You know what was provided for millions and millions of people that day when Jesus was born? salvation up to that point mankind 
there was sacrifices that had to be continually made. But when Jesus Christ came, he was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the one that all mankind had anticipated. There was a personal presentation. This wasn't some mystical appearance or some spirit presence. This was actually the Son of God in flesh. Jesus Christ came to this earth in flesh. He came for one reason, because someone had to die. Blood had to be shed, and he was willing to be that one. The Bible says in Romans 1.3, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And the Bible tells us that he who was eternally preexistent took on the form of flesh and was personally presented to the world. This time of year is a time for us to rejoice in the provisions. Mankind was hopeless and lost, and God gave us the answer, and it's Jesus Christ. God's provisions are always right. Do you know what's so important? This, as we think about Christmas season, as we think about the birth of our Savior, and, and I know some say it wasn't on December 25th. My daughter came home and said, Dad, we're celebrating Christmas and it's the wrong day. I said, what do you mean it's the wrong day? She said, they think he was born like in April of some time. Some, some year. I said, in our house, it's, it's, May, it's, it's uh, uh, December 25th. That's what we're celebrating, you know? He was born that day. This is an awesome opportunity for us to tell the world every single thing God promised in the Old Testament, all of his promises when it came to the Messiah came true. Do you realize this? There's nothing in the Old Testament that we look back on and we say, well, we got to kind of skip over that. That didn't quite happen the way God said it was going to happen. There's not a promise that he gave that we can look at and say, you know what, that's not, that didn't happen. We got to just kind of, let's, let's avoid that chapter. Let's avoid that verse. Let's avoid that book because, you know what, God just, it didn't happen the way he said it was going to happen. Every single thing he promised, it came true. And didn't just came true, it came true the exact way he said it was going to come true. And that ought to give us hope because if everything he's ever said has come to pass and it's true, then the things that we look forward to, his provisions are going are, are to be there as well. His, his, his promises are sure. His principles are sure. And we can, we can live based upon the fact that God is always truth. And that means this, anything we need in the future, he's going to provide as well. Every principle in his word we can believe in because God never lies. He's never lied yet. He never will lie. And everything in the Bible is true. And in him giving Christ to us, his, his word was fulfilled concerning Jesus Christ. In John 1 verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory uh, uh, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen to me this evening. Jesus put on a physical body to come to earth and live among us. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good man. He was born of a virgin, and that's why that, that doctrine is so important to us. No one could say that he wasn't God. There was no other way for Jesus Christ to be born uh, uh, because Mary had never known a man. Mary had never been with a man. The only way for Christ to be born is that the Holy Spirit of God came upon Mary, and it was through the Holy Spirit of God that Mary conceived. That means this, the only one that could be the Savior is Jesus Christ. 
Philippians 2, verse 5 and 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Colossians 1.15 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? There was a personal presentation. There was also a spiritual presentation. This was also a spiritual presentation because he who was the son of Mary was also the Son of God. In Romans 1, verse 4, the Bible says, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. In Luke 1, 32, the Bible says, he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. In Colossians 2, 9, the Bible says, for in him dwelleth all fullness of the Godhead bodily. Because Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, and because he was the son of God, he was the only one that could fulfill that redemptive plan that God has for us. We can rejoice in his provisions. I couldn't save myself. So Jesus Christ did it for us. That's something we ought to rejoice in. Whatever you're going through in life, realize this. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you have salvation. There was a time in your life where you were dead in trespasses and sin, and you were not redeemed back to God, and you were on your way opposite from God forever, eternity without God in a place called hell of fire and torment. But because Jesus Christ came, physically came, because he was born of Mary, because the Holy Spirit of God conceived him inside of Mary, and he was born born a man, he was able to die and pay the payment that we couldn't pay ourselves. He provided. If Jesus was enough to provide for you for all of eternity, don't you think he is enough to provide for you right now in this life? I mean, if he cared so much about you that he wanted you, he cared about your eternal state, don't you think he cares about where you are today? We ought to rejoice in his provisions. I close with this illustration. In 1830, there was a man named George Wilson. He was convicted and sentenced to be hanged for robbing the U.S. mail. Who was president in 19 or 1830? Anybody know? Any uh, presidential historians here? Good old Andrew Jackson. It got all the way to Andrew Jackson, and Andrew Jackson, he issued a pardon for this man, but this man refused to accept this pardon. In an effort to free Wilson, his lawyer brought the matter before Chief Justice Marshall, who after deliberating about this, he concluded this. He said this, a pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it's refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. Jesus was born to die on the cross because we needed a savior 
We need to be saved from that penalty of sin, our sin. And Jesus Christ paid that payment so that we can be free. But you have to accept that payment. When I read that story, I like to read presidential things. And when I read that story, I thought, how many people right now this month need to know that they've been pardoned? They need to know that their payment has been made. They need to know that, yes, a baby came, and yes, we celebrate Christmas, but the reason that baby came was so that we could be redeemed back to God. It should be everybody's opportunity to hear and know that Jesus Christ has paid their sin debt, and it ought to be on us as Christians to take every opportunity we can, especially this time of year where people are open to hearing the gospel, and we ought to do everything we can to give the gospel of Jesus Christ out, letting people know your sins have been pardoned, you have, your sin has been paid for, Jesus Christ has died upon the cross. All you have to do is accept that gift but if you don't accept it just like George Wilson you must be hanged you must die second Corinthians 5 21 says this for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made righteous be made the righteousness of God in him in 2 Corinthians 9.15, I close with this. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. This Christmas season, as we think about gifts, let's think about that unspeakable gift that God gave. And let's be sure of this, that we find joy in his presence, in joy in his provisions. And with that joy, it ought to produce something in us. It ought to produce in us the desire to tell. So someone else, too, can have joy in Jesus Christ and in the gift that he gave to us.